0: This morning, um, I wanted to pick up again this kind of theme of the radical church that we started looking at, uh, and I want to look over the next two weeks uh, at being the church at war and the power and authority that, that we have. And um, we, we know references to the church being an army, uh, that type of thing. Uh, But I think within the way we think, or certainly at least the way I think, it's not something that I'm always aware of that we are in a battle, that we are at war, that we are an army. Uh, And, you know, I don't know about you, but um, for me, I'd like my life to uh, be, you know, peaceful, to be comfortable, uh, to have nice holidays, uh, to enjoy life. I think we'd all like that, wouldn't we? And, and we can have those things, and, and we live in an amazing part of the world where we're blessed with many of those things. But at the same time, I think we have to recognize um, who we are as the church and actually uh, the times that, that we live in. And actually, since, um, since the birth of the church, it hasn't really changed, And one of Satan's biggest ploys is to convince the church that we are at peace. Because when we think we're at peace, then we become complacent about the battle that we're in. Uh, And we relax, and we don't actually need to uh, see faith stirred because there's not much to fight for. And so we very easily become complacent And relaxed. There are things that happen in our lives or in our community that we kind of get glimpses of of the battle, and and that reminds us again. We see things, obviously, like my niece's Emma suicide, and you think, wow, it's the battle. This is a spiritual battle that we're in. We see, you know, what's happened at at food care, and it suddenly hits you again. Wow, this is we're actually in a a battle. Or you may you know, be facing long-term sickness or praying uh, for people who have long-term sickness. And those kind of things give us glimpses of the battle that we're in. But generally, we like to think, oh, well, yeah, that's a bit of a battle, but I really want to be uh, at, at peace. But Jesus never meant for His church actually to live at peace. you might think that's a strange thing to say, But, but He is our peace. He is our Prince of Peace. We know that. So, we know that Jesus is our peace. But that peace that He is to us is so that actually within the battle, within the challenges, within the hardship, we can know peace. So, we don't face this battle like Uh, people who don't know God, we face this battle actually at peace. So no matter what challenges, no matter what difficulties uh, we're going through, the remarkable thing about being a Christian is that we can actually be at peace in the most stormy, difficult, challenging situations. Because Jesus is our Prince of Peace. He is our peace. And He, the Holy Spirit, lives within us. We can know incredible peace. But it doesn't mean that we live in a context of peace. We actually live in a context of war. Incredibly, um, we see Jesus, obviously, a lot of his teaching all applies to the church, but he only really mentions the church twice, in Matthew 16 and Matthew 18. And I think if we look at those two scriptures, you'll see both actually are in the context of the battle so Matthew 16 Jesus says to Peter blessed are you Simon son of Jonah for this was not revealed to you this is when Peter has declared that uh, he's the Messiah it's not revealed to you by flesh and blood but by my father in heaven and I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We love to quote that. Jesus will build His church. Amen. He will. He'll build and is building His church. But He's saying, I will build my church while we're in this battle against Hades. We're in this battle, but Hades will not overcome We will know victory. The context of it is war, and He's saying we've got power to bind and loose. Matthew 18 uh, is a different scenario, and Jesus teaches this. He says, if your brother or sister sins against you, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen... excuse me, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven." Again, actually, Jesus is talking about difficulty, challenge, but actually, now it's coming from within the church itself. We are in a battle from inside, from outside, from uh, every area. And we look at things like Revelation. And, you know, we try and understand it, but it's full of these great apocalyptic battles. It's what it's full of, and um, we can try and understand that, but um, sometimes we get so kind of bogged down in trying to understand it that we miss the fact, look, it's full of battles. This is the church, it's showing you it's full of battles. This is battle after battle, ongoing challenges. We read the New Testament And we see uh, right through the stories of the early church, we see battle, we see hardship uh, that the early church faced, uh, and we see that um, they knew the peace of God in their lives, they knew incredible advance, but it was all within the context of the battle. We, the church, are an army, we are an army at war. I was very challenged. Um, I picked up an old book just before I went to uh, India by a guy, John Wimber. Many of you would know John Wimber. uh, And he wrote the book in the 90s, Power Evangelism. Uh, And I've just picked it up again. It's it's an amazing book. I think it's actually a book that's kind of come around again for us to look at uh, once more. At the start, he gives this testimony, which I found hugely challenging. So let me read it to you. He says... Having created, so this is when he was first saved, he'd just been saved. He says, having created an idealized picture of church life built up from only a few weeks of gleaning scripture, I was unprepared for what awaited. I anticipated training in spiritual warfare and equipping to advance the kingdom of God, I envision Christians coming together, singing and praying, receiving encouragement or exhortation from Scripture, then dispersing throughout Orange County, California, which is where he lived, to perform dramatic healings, expel demonic spirits, oppose evil authorities. Then I thought we would return later in the day with new converts and reports of great miracles overflowing with joy and worshiping God." It was a vision taken from the book of Acts. What I soon discovered was that most Christians do not come together to prepare for battle with Satan and conquer territory for Jesus Christ. They enjoy talking about the battle. They usually prayed for victory. They sang and preached about the need to advance God's kingdom, even weeping for it. And then they went home to live secure lives far from the battlefields. Christian doctrine so tenaciously defended was circumscribed by business, family, and recreational commitments. Upon reflection now, after my first church service, I feel cheated because I had joined Christ's army in order to do his works. I don't know about you, but I feel hugely challenged by that. You know, to that he said, I felt cheated. Actually, we, we are. We're cheating ourselves if we live not understanding the battle that we're in. Because for our actions to change, we've got to first understand what we're in, and then that will change our actions. And maybe some of the things he was talking about, he thought would see, we, you know we start to press into those things more if our mindset changes. And so I really want us to... Think today about our mindset. Where are we? Because if we complacently living at peace, then we're not going to step into those things. And it's not about striving. I, I don't want you this morning to feel like, oh, I got up here and I saying, well, I have to, I've got to do more. I need to be out on the streets. You know, it's not about striving. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And we need to be at, you know, war Um, I don't even know what that means, but I've got to try and do something. You know, what this mindset does, when we start to think like that, then we look to God for faith. We say, God, wow, I'm in a battle. And we all know, you know, when we face a difficult situation, suddenly we look to God and we say, God, I need your help. I need faith to press through. But actually, we should be like that all the time, and what I believe God wants to do even today is stir faith again in our hearts to step forward into what He has for us as a church at war. Now, I want to just, um, I want to read Ephesians 3, uh, 10 to 21. I, I love these verses. They're they definitely one of my favorite churches, and I think, they speak to us about the power of the Spirit, because I want us to just start to think. And we're going to pick this up more next week. What is the power and authority that we have? Because God, uh, He doesn't say, well, okay, you're the church, you're my army. Uh, cheers, you know, get on with it. <laughs> he doesn't say that, thankfully. He says, I'm going to give you faith. Actually, I give you, uh, my sons and daughters, I give you power, I give you authority. So let me read Ephesians. It says, His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to His eternal purpose that He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Through the church, that the battle is taken to these principalities and powers. It's through the church that that is going to happen. In Him, and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings, as Paul speaking, because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom His whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Whoa, I just, that's all we need to do. Read that and we're done. It's, It's told us everything. It's told us everything. We receive power, and power is the distinct prerogative of God and God alone. Psalm 62, says, one thing God has spoken, two things I've heard, power belongs to you, God. We, we think that we have power. We think that we get up in the morning and, uh, you know, we can make things happen. The reality is it's only God who has power. He makes the sun rise or He makes the earth turn <laughs> more, more accurately. He has power. He gives us air to breathe. Our lungs keep moving as we're sustained by God's power. It's only God's power. He, he's the only one that has power. We think we have. Um, governments think they have. And, you know, people who are, think they're important think they have power. But they only have what actually God has released to them. He rules and reigns over all things. And He chooses to entrust us his sons and daughters with power and authority through the Holy Spirit. We, the church, are to proclaim his kingdom has come. And this word kingdom, obviously, Charles has got a kingdom. Uh, We think of geographical lands. It's the UK, Australia. You know, these are lands that he is the king over. But the New Testament Greek word uh, used is basilia, basilia. And it means, rather than geographical areas, it means kingship or royal rule. Royal rule. So Jesus declared that the kingdom had come when he came because he brought God's rule. God's um, kingdom rule, royal rule, uh, is what Jesus brought. And he did that through two things. So you look at how Jesus ministered, he did two things. He firstly proclaimed that God's kingdom had come. He preached the good news, preached the kingdom of God. And secondly, he demonstrated. So he proclaimed and then he demonstrated. He cast out demons, he healed the sick, he raised the dead. He proved that actually God had rulership and authority and power over everything, death, sickness, demons, He demonstrated it. So he preached it, proclaimed it, and he demonstrated it. And today, you and I are to do the same. We call to declare the kingdom has come. We, we might not feel it today, just however many there are of us in this room, but we are powerfully declaring God's rulership, the royal authority that is here on earth. It's us. That's us. You declare it when you go into your workplace. You declare it as you talk to your neighbor in the street you're in. You are declaring God's kingdom has come. Every situation you're in, you are declaring it. And we need to continue to grow in this proclamation and demonstration of God's rulership. Ephesians 6 teaches us about the armor we need to put on as soldiers and it also teaches us that our battle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms therefore put on the full armor of god so We can go through the Bible. There's so much teaching us how to be soldiers, how to put on the armor, how to stand, how to um, bind things uh, on earth so that they're bound in heaven, how to deal with the the demonic. We need to learn and grow in these things so that we can proclaim and demonstrate that the kingdom has come. And this battle, as we just read in Ephesians, it's it's not against flesh and blood, but it's against these rulers, authorities, and powers. If you think about it, really, there are kind of three areas that, that we battle in. One is an internal one. We battle against our flesh, our, our sin. It's an internal battle that Jesus, by His death on the cross, has set us free from. He's given us victory over that, but we continue to face the daily battle of dealing with uh, evil temptations. Secondly, we fight against uh, the world's patterns of thinking, that worldview, and obviously each country, each nation can have different worldviews, different people groups, different worldviews. But this kingdom, this royal rule, that is God's view, that is God's way of living, and we need to bring that into our lives and the uh, areas around us rather than us taking on the worldview that is prevalent in our societies. That's the second area we fight. And thirdly, we fight against demons and Satan uh, and his, his work. So as I come to a close, if we think of this battle, I've spoken about power. We have power. We also have authority. And there's a great example if you read Matthew 8, 5 to 10, the example of the centurion um, and the way he looks at authority. So he uh, has got a servant that is at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. He goes to Jesus. He says... Will you heal him? And Jesus says, Should I come and heal him? Uh, And the centurion says, You don't need to come, just say the word and it will be done. And it's such a great example of the centurion knowing what it means to have authority, that he, as he would have been in the army, under authority and having authority. And it's a great example for us of being a people that need to be constantly under God's authority. All that we are doing, we need to be bringing to God. We've spoken about this in recent months again, about giving everything to God. Everything's got to be under God's authority. Not off trying to do our own thing, but everything under God's authority. And as we live under God's authority, He's pleased to give us His authority, so we do have power and authority. And as I've said, our warfare, the way we fight, looks very different to what we might imagine in terms of worldly warfare. So we're given power and authority to love in the most extraordinary way. That's, that's part of the power that we have because we have received this unconditional love love of Christ into our lives. And He pours it out on us again and again and again. And so we have the power to, by the Holy Spirit, to actually love people in that way, to forgive people. We have the power to serve and sacrifice in an extraordinary way, way beyond um, what anyone else actually can do, because we've got the power of the Spirit Recently, just after being in India, um, when we got back, we watched um, a movie. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I can't think of the name of the movie, but Graham Staines is an Australian missionary uh, in India. And um, he was martyred, him and his two little boys. Uh, they, were, they were sleeping. in. They'd gone to minister in this kind of remote place. And um, they, I mean, it, it's horrible. They were sleeping in their kind of jeep, and um, these Hindus uh, came, they kind of locked up the doors, set it alight, and him and his two little boys, you know, were martyred. Actually, we have, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are able to be martyrs. It's actually a gift <laughs> of the Holy Spirit, not one that I'm sure we're all wanting to sign up for. But we have the power to serve and sacrifice in the most incredible way. Even as we've seen with our Gift Day, you know that's so blessed me because it just shows us that you know we're not uh, we we're not, um, held by our money. We can actually we can give it away sacrificially. We can give it away. We have the power and authority to perform miracles, signs, and wonders. We have power and authority to preach the gospel. We have power and authority to expel demons. We have power and authority in prayer to change situations and bring breakthrough where it seems it's impossible and there's no way forward. So we're going to pick up this a bit more next week. But I'd love us to pray now for uh, this mindset change and for faith to arise. The very old song going through my head this morning, If faith arise, his enemies be scattered. And um, it is, this is a faith thing, as I said. It's not a striving thing, it's not, um, we've got to make something happen. But as we start to realign our thinking, to actually understand the very real battle we're in day after day after day, not just when you hit something difficult, actually all the time. That Satan, actually, I didn't read that scripture, is it John 1010? 10, 10, I think it is. Um it's John 10, 10. Yeah, the thief that comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's that's Satan, his only purpose is to come and steal and kill and destroy. He has no other purpose. Actually, to other than to come and destroy. Uh, that is Satan's purpose. We cannot be fooled to think that it's anything else. So let's stand. Let's just come to God. Yeah, Lord, we. We thank you that we can trust you in all of this, Lord. We're in your hands. Lord, I I thank you that we can know, even reading that scripture about you building your church. Lord, we know that you are at work amongst us and with us and through us. And that through this church, you want to demonstrate. Your power to principalities and authorities. And Lord, we feel totally inadequate. But Lord, even as we've looked at some of these scriptures, we understand that you give us faith, you give us power, you give us authority to triumph, to see victory, to stand in the most difficult circumstances. We can stand in faith We can now advance and take ground for your kingdom. So I pray that today, Lord, you would tune us in afresh to the reality of the battle we're in. Lord, I pray you would deal with complacency in our lives, Lord, where we'd rather just um, kind of live, just hide that away and not really want to see that part. But Lord, we know it's the reality. And Lord, we want to be a people equipped, a people of faith that can step forward, that can know victory, that can see the gospel advance. So come, Lord, draw back the curtain in a sense for us to be reminded of what we're living with, Lord, of the very real battle we're in. And give us faith, I pray right now, for an impartation of faith, Lord. You give it as a gift, Lord. We're your people, your sons and daughters. Come and give a fresh impartation of faith right now, I pray. Come upon us, Holy Spirit. Empower us again. Give us faith to step forward, knowing that we have everything we need, Lord, for this battle. Lord, you've given it all to us. You've given us the armor. You've given us the weapons, of warfare you've given it to us lord you've enabled us to love in the most incredible way to pray to uh, see situations changed lord come lord give us faith i pray thank you jesus thank you lord